0: Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Jazz Times. Grammy-nominated jazz singer-songwriter Nicole Zoraitis refers to herself as a recovering opera singer, which her beautiful tone and effortless vocal style reflect. Unlike many of the younger vocalists today who jump out of music school right into a recording studio with little onstage experience to back it up, Nicole has put in the long hours performing, honing her craft and creating her own unique style. Nicole's journey to fully accepting her love for jazz was anything but straightforward now after years of singing all styles of music and listening to everyone else's ideas except her own nicole has fully embraced her own vision which she celebrates on her cd how love begins this album of originals co-produced with bassist christian mcbride explores the dark and light sides of love, romantic and otherwise, and the tug between those states that always exists. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. So I have to start with this cover and tell you that you're a little bit like the devil which I love <laughs> because here you are, you're beautiful, and so that's, we know the devil is attractive. It's always in <laughs> that kind of thing, but you're kind of, you have this look, you're, you're you're sitting in the middle of, you know, the water and the oil and the, the fire around it. Now, everybody, I'm putting this up here, but you have this look on your face like, are we going down a bad path or are we going down a good path? That's why I say it's kind of the devil, or is it the devil? I love this cover. I have no idea what you were thinking, but that's how it hit me, and I love it. Thank (laughs) you for
1: seeing why I chose that cover.
0: Actually, no one has ever even commented on
1: that picture, because the reason I chose it was because of the mischief in in the look, but I also thought I looked a little bit sad while also... So because the, the album is How Love Begins, but the other half of it is How Love Ends, you know, I wanted to make sure that the cover wasn't like, How Love Begins, Flowers and Rainbows, and uh, another cliche album. It was kind of like, How Love Begins-ish? Or did it begin? <laughs> I don't know.
0: I totally you got You nailed it, it. And I loved nailed it. it. <laughs> I loved it, I loved it. So talk about that because I thought it was such, A beautiful theme and interesting how there was a story throughout. Each each song has a story, but the entire recording has a story, Mm. which I thought was beautiful, and I loved it. I want to quote you to you, Mm. and I loved it that you said, sometimes the most beautiful things in life are the most heartbreaking. That's really beautiful because it is, and I think for me that epitomizes those moments when... Sometimes you can, I mean, it's a cliche, but you could be looking at a sunset. I'll just use that as an example. And you just feel that everything is right in the world. And then you get really sad. Amen. Because you feel that it's fleeting and you know it's fleeting. And I felt that was what this entire project epitomized. So talk about that theme. I just thought it was beautiful. I
1: feel very seen, Judy, because I've seen a couple of reviews... Uh, come in that have said, you know, it might be cliche to talk about how love begins and then they'll talk about how I wrote all the songs, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, that's not the point. It's not about love. This is, it's not really about that. So um, the, sometimes the most beautiful things in life are also the most heartbreaking came from two places. One, for me, uh, most of my relationships have never been storybook. Like I've never had like the Prince... Right up on, <laughs> right up on the horse. You haven't? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm a jazz musician. <laughs> Princes don't ride horses into into dark uh, uh. Uh, cellar jazz clubs, unfortunately. But <laughs> uh, uh. but I've also like loved. I have no regrets in my life. So uh, for me, when I was thinking about like how my experiences with are in love, both friendship and and. And relationship, you know, I'm happily, happily married to a wonderful drummer, composer, but we didn't start off by like having this incredible moment. It was very tumultuous. And then, you know, people who have been in long-term relationships know that there are ebbs and flows. And I wanted to capture the the mountaintops and also the, the big time valleys. And so when I was uh, thinking about the, the arc of the album and how I would put the songs in order, I noticed that there was a lot of imagery with like fire, smoke, uh, water, rebirth, uh, tragedy, but also like, ooh, excitement. And so I was like, oil, water, polarity, opposites attract, yada, 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 cliche, cliche. But then I was like, okay, oil and water, if I group them together with the imagery of like burning versus uh, putting out the fire, right? Then I was like, let me look up some album artwork inspiration, like make my little mood board. So I put oil, water, painting, oil, water, photo. And, you know, I saw lots of beautiful imagery, but then I saw what I thought was a painting and it was stunning. It was like teals and orange and red. And it just looked like a painter had really just, and there was a big kind of like boat in it. And I was like, wow, that's stunning. And then it, it turns out that wasn't a painting; it was a photograph of mm. the Deepwater Horizon oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, and I was really upset by that. I was like, "What? That? Oh, right? I remember that." Like, I still don't get gas at BP. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, I remember seeing this in the news, and it, it was the biggest oil spill in history. And I was kept staring at those photos, and I went down the rabbit holes. This Spanish photographer, Daniel Beltra, and I went down this rabbit hole. I'm like, wow, all these photos are beautiful. Like the the oil on top of the ocean with all the colors. I was like, ah, I I hate this, but I. And that's when I I came up with the sometimes the most beautiful things in life are the most heartbreaking. If you see a sunset and it's like magical, but then it goes away, and you're like, wait, I have to wait 24 hours till the next sunset. But will it come? You know. I, t- I try to like be positive and happy but I also wanted to be honest that you know not everything is is like a, a storybook and like a fairy tale so that's that's mm. my that's my long answer <laughs>
2: <laughs> To fish dove to the bottom of the sea eager to share Further they went, their fun grew dramatically. So large it grew, and suddenly they knew never more would they venture above. Their mouths never weary, or ears tired of hearing how great the depth of their love. Then one fish turned and said, if I could tell the loving sea How it felt when you looked at me She'd leave her shores, her breezes Leave her shells and beaches Leave her sand sanded seagulls to embrace us And be free Following to the bottom of the sea Maybe those two fishes would soon become three comes to show always together since that shore above mouths never weary or ears tired of hearing how great the depth of their love how great the depth
0: guest, singer-songwriter Nicole Zuraitis, on Two Fish, from her CD, How Love Begins. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. You had such lovely contrast with the different arrangements and and the songs, and there was, you went, well, talk about reverie, (laughs) because I love that, because then we went into, uh, Let Me Love You. And that was such a nice (laughs) juxtaposition. I really noticed. I'm big on order of tunes because that's a journey itself, even though now it's a CD and it's not an album, you know, and all of that. It's still, uh, I think it should be a journey through the entire recording. And I love that. You had really beautiful pacing with it. So talk about Reverie. So,
1: you know, I'm a, uh, I call myself a recovering opera singer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i I've always loved every type of music, uh, everything from opera to pop. And uh, I am a self-taught piano player. And saying that I'm a piano player in front of Judy Carmichael, it feels sacrilegious. But <laughs> I, 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 I get through. I get through. I had to learn by like playing weddings in Manhattan when I first moved back to New York because I had to make a living. So like, I kind of learned the piano by being forced to learn because I had to work. Um, But I was thinking about the whole, you know, daydreaming and uh, kind of how it felt to be um, like free before whatever life kind of throws at you. And uh, I used to listen to Chopin and or WC or like Sing um, different classical pieces and most of the time I can't listen to music because I'm hyper analyzing it, but with classical piano, it really does ground me. So I just happen to just love this piece and uh, I had heard an arrangement for, um, I think it was Sarah Vaughan of, of it's called My Reverie or maybe it was for Ella, My Reverie. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. Uh, let me kind of explore that. And then I figured I would just write my own lyric to it and really like blow out that whole arrangement of the WC piece. But also he's probably rolling in his grave They <laughs> get fit. I'm like, he's like, okay, I, don't I don't know about that. So. Like.
0: I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, I just
1: arrangements come to me in, in strange times. A lot of them come while I'm working as like a piano woman. Um, when I'm playing alone uh, in the background of some restaurant uh, and if somebody asks for something strange that I've never attempted, I don't know, maybe it's a, a good thing or maybe it's a fault, but I'll 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 give it a whirl. If I've heard it and I can use my ears to get through it, I'll do it. So that's kind of how many of my arrangements have come up from me being like challenged by patrons while I'm just trying to make a living in New York City and pay my rent. I think that being able to play in these, let's say, uh, let's say like a lounge where, where people are mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. over you and you can take the risks is gigantic because you're developing chops and you're essentially being paid to practice in a way. Um, you know, I'm not going to go in there and stop and start a tune and actually practice. But um, I would say, you know, even for me as someone, like I said, who's kind of had to learn piano just as I was working, my left hand became very strong because my right hand was turning pages. (laughs) You know what I mean? And now when I, when I play solo, people say, wow, your left hand is so strong. Like you're really walking the bass and you're, and you're like, you're, you're, you're doing a lot with your left hand. I mean, you're a striped pianist, you know all about the left hand. Um, But I'm like, yeah, that, that was developed because I had to, the silence was deafening the music is so essential, even if I call it paid radio, you know, that's what, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as I try and like step away from that and really kind of come into the fact that I'm like, I want to be an artist. And if people want to see me, they have to like, it's like a choice, not like an accident. So many beautiful, Mm -hmm. happy accidents have happened to me while playing background gigs. And in fact, that's how I met Christian McBride. I don't know if you're aware of this story, but it's amazing to me to think back that, I met like the best jazz bass player in the world who turned to one of my dearest friends by playing in the background at a restaurant across from Carnegie Hall.
0: Mm. I want to jump in and just say that there are so many things that are valuable about live music, and this is one of the ones that we haven't talked about on the show specifically, mm-hmm. and that is the value not only to the listener, which... Everything's different when you hear it in person, but to the player, because something that I'm, I've talked a lot of with people of my generation, that there is no substitute for playing those gigs over and over and over because of the happy accidents. I am still meeting musicians. I was in Brazil went to a Mulgrew Miller concert, went backstage to introduce myself and fanboy, you know, and gush. And he said, oh, my God, Judy Carmichael, I used to come hear you at Knickerbocker. And all the time, I never knew it, he was sitting there in the back. And, and I've had that happen with more musicians Cyrus Chestnut, different people who came in and go. Oh yeah, I used to come hear you at Knickerbocker. You, well, you did. Were, I was so say busy hello, please. with my nose. <laughs> yeah, with my nose at the piano. But my point is, you're you're talking about this with Christian, and I'm saying that it is not just people he- hearing you and the opportunity to meet them, but it's the playing every night, making mistakes, getting it together, honing it. I get CDs from people for the show. And then I look at their site. They don't work anywhere. You know, they are just, they got the money together for a CD. But they're not out there in the trenches learning how to make it all happen. So tell me about the story with Christine, because that's beautiful. What a great way to it meet really someone. It really is. I
1: mean, and also what you just said about the trenches, I say that all the time. And also Christian says it about me all the time. He's like, Nicole has been out there in the trenches working. I am a working musician. And I know a lot of yeah. people who maybe... Um, have the good fortune to not have have to rely on singing for their supper because of maybe like financial backing from a, another source that that they're you know that I hope that they're grateful for and they'll they'll look down at a at a gig where they're going, well, I don't want to play in a restaurant where nobody's listening and I'm only going to make x amount of money and I'm going, well, that's good for you but uh when I hear you sing on stage it sounds like you you could use a couple more you know, yeah. <laughs> like, it sounds like you haven't
0: sung out loud in a while. <laughs> and they haven't. I went to see somebody who, who will remain nameless, but I'm um, for a CD party. And um, I can't say too much because um, people know who she is. But in any case, I went to the gig and she has a beautiful voice and great technique and lots of knowledge, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. She never looked at the audience she never turned and looked at the audience she looked at the piano player and kind of did this sideways glance and and this was a group that had all come to hear her but even they got restless there was no connection with the audience so talk about christian because we well we we've established we both believe in the trenches <laughs> yes. we're girls
3: yes, from I the, love the trenches that so much.
0: <laughs> well so uh, i was a late bloomer into jazz
1: um you know I, I i kind of when i i kind of fell into it after I had decided that classical music wasn't for me. I was home waiting tables and uh I was
3: singing, <laughs> opera. singing opera.
1: Literally. <laughs> like, but I had I had gone to the Litchfield <laughs> jazz camp. Um, and in exchange for scholarship to the to the jazz camp, I would shadow amazing artists. So I would I would essentially get coffee for or help make copies for. Incredible people like Sheila Jordan, Stephanie Nakasian, Kevin Mahogany, Karen Allison, mm-hmm. uh, Vanessa Rubin, all these great artists. And I was I was like, Okay, I get a scholarship, I get to help on the TA. And so I watch them and I'm learning about jazz and you know, through Litchfield Jazz Camp. It was an amazing, amazing. And then um when I was like, Okay, classical music isn't for me, I love to write music. I love all types of music. I love improvisatory music. And in classical music, I would like scoop up to a note and the whole orchestra would stop and they'd be like, that's sacrilegious. And I'd be like, okay, I'm sorry. I can't help it. I hear something else in my brain. And I'm going, oh, right. Uh, jazz. <laughs> right. So a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, I had a great opportunity come about where I got to sing at the Litchfield Jazz Festival. But I was really, really green, super green. And that record, I actually just took it down off of all streaming platforms because I was like, "This sounds—it sounds like a really young version of myself." I'm—I'm I'm happy it exists. Blah 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 blah. Long story short, I—I I was like 30 when I decided, "Oh, okay, I, I think I have enough language now. I, you know, I think I have a little bit more confidence. I think I'll apply to the Sarah Vaughn competition," because um, the previous year. Right before the cutoff, which is thirty years old, I had applied for the Herb Albert uh, Young Jazz Composers Award, and when I got that, I was like, "Wait a minute! I thought I was terrible. Uh, 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 I had no confidence at all." I was like, "Well, that's that's kind of validating. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I do know something from all these years of listening." <laughs> I love this. You know, just like <laughs> and so then on a whim, I was like, mm, I'll, "I'll apply to the Sarabande competition." So I apply. And then I get a phone call from the person who was the director and the phone call went like this. And I, I kid you not. Hi, Nicole. Um, there are five finalists in the Sarah Vaughan competition and you were not one of them. Um, you are actually no. uh, six. We were like really on the fence about you. I actually don't know if you, if you're really, if you really have it, but one of the other competitors dropped out. So if you, you know, I really, don't really feel that comfortable, but I really hope that you prove me wrong. I was like, Thank you so much. I
0: think, oh my, and I'm word. already
1: deeply insecure, like, I've always been like apologetic for just existing. <sighs> uh, and so I'm like, All right, I guess I'll. <laughs> so I do the Saravan competition, I end up placing third, which was a miracle. And then Christian McBride is one of the judges, but of course, it's not like. It's not like American Idol where we all get to like hang out afterwards and like I get the critique. I was
2: like, okay, you mean it's not like it is on TV? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, you crushed me! (laughs) I was like, do I get any? No, okay, it's over. Okay, yeah, goodbye. Just gotta
1: go back to playing weddings and singing in the background. So (laughs) went back to singing at the Red Eye Grill across from Carnegie Hall, and it was maybe like six, seven, eight months later, and it was packed, 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 packed in there. And I was like, nobody's listening. I can barely hear myself think. Never mind. I can barely hear myself play. I can barely hear myself sing. I'm like, I'm going to start practicing night in Tunisia because I'm really, really bad at that bridge. And it's really a shame. (laughs) And I'm feeling confident enough that I'm even going to try and take a couple of piano solos over these two little (laughs) chord vamps. So I'm doing it and I'm like, still, it's a distract. it's, It's horrible. And I look up, and who's standing there but Christian McBride? And he's going, I know you, I know you, I know you. And I was like, Hi.
0: <laughs> and he's like, Unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. It's fantastic. And so, you know, that's that's how that's how our friendship was sparked because he's like, Look at this girl I just saw Sarah Vaughn. Now here she is in the trenches, just like we're talking about, playing. He's like, You sound great! He's like what are you doing these days? I was like, I don't know. I, I'm in a folk band right now. That's, I guess. And I'm going to go to, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to make a living. And I'm playing 55 bar uh, once a month. This is great. And he's like, take my number. And so for, you know, years, six years, like biannually, and quarterly, because he's the busiest man. Yeah, yeah. We would like hang out and just shoot shoot the the whatever yeah but i never asked him (laughs) for anything i i first of all i didn't have any confidence second of all i was like if he if he wants to make music with me he'll come to me and so eventually he'd be like we should make a record we should we we should make music i used to sing with my big man we should blank 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 and then you know pandemic happened and finally like i was like remember that thing that we talked about will you do that he's like absolutely so that's how the the how love began got to be there with christian
2: Flowers unseen in a garden of peace And now only holds weeds. Digging from mud, looking for hints of love, times come.
0: I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show was made possible in part with generous support from Steinway and Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on your favorite podcast platform and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at stridequeen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production not funded by NPR. Please visit jazzinspired.com to find out how you can chip in and support us. No gift is too small. And please write a review on Apple Podcasts, which is the best way for us to entice others to listen to the show. Thanks for helping us spread the word and celebrate 23 years on air. I'll be appearing at the Delray Beach Playhouse in Delray Beach, Florida, September 30th, and at the Palladium in St. Petersburg, Florida, October 1st, both with guitarist Nate Najar, and on October 6th, I'll have my trio with me at Walker Hall at Taft School in Watertown, Connecticut, October 6th. My full touring schedule is at judycarmichael.com. I'm talking with singer-songwriter Nicole Zuraitis about Burn, one of my favorite tracks from her CD, How Love Begins.
1: Sometimes I, I was like, I wonder if I should tell people the truth about Burn. So Burn, I, I think I'll just be honest with you because yeah, you're
0: yeah. Absolutely. This is a truth-telling that, show.
1: That song I had what well, used to be a ballad. It was a ballad. It was it was I wrote it quite, you know, it was one of my earlier tunes. And when I had given I had given Christian like twenty-five tunes that I had written or arranged to choose from. And I really thought he was going to choose the ones that I thought were like the surefire, kind of like kitschy hits. Like I have a song called I Like You a Latte, the coffee song, or like the wine, like all these like things. And he was like, no, I want the deep cut, that stuff. And then when he gave me his list, I was like, man, I'm missing. There's nothing like there's nothing that's going to showcase the musicians. Um Plus the songwriting, and I was like, I can't have Christian McBride not have something that's actually burning. And so I was like going through on all my, all my rip, going, well, he liked this ballad. What if I make it extremely fast and add a bar of three? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I wish I love it. And so I, I like re-workshopped it. the words and and it it was, it's been like so much fun. Cause I was like, I actually this song should have always been like this. But there are recordings mm. of it where it's called If Only for Today, as opposed to Burn.
2: When I, I didn't know that I could burn so slow Deceptive ease and constant flow of vertical All worlds colliding in this tableau. How sincere the depth of what you say I'll stay If only for today When I i didn't know that youth could seem so wise starting over, taken by surprise all that's discovered within your eyes and the spark that lit the fire inside i'll try until i choose to run or say goodbye accents linger trembling fingers that certain look upon your face searching for excuses to let go and go I didn't know that I could burn so slow Deceptive ease and constant flow of vertigo Bridge invited to take a chance I think I'll finally try a new romance
1: But there's like again the polarity of of Life, I told you before, before we started, I'm like, sometimes I feel like I'm on the verge of hysterically crying or hysterically laughing. And so, like, I really feel that, like, pull with music, like, what is needed in the moment versus what is going to come out
3: regardless. Um...
2: Certain look upon your face, and all the nervous fear of new beginnings. While I'm searching for excuses to let go, and oh, I didn't know that I could burn so slow. Deceptive ease and constant flow of vertigo. Courage invited to take a chance. I think I'll finally try a new romance.
0: It's interesting you talk about being on the verge of hysterically. (laughs) laughing or crying because i that's very close anyway. Those are two emotions that are very close. They're I think elevated. it's why there are these amazing funny people who are great dramatic actors because that's where they live all the time. Yes. You know, like a Robin Williams or a Steve Martin. I mean, talk about two, two different people who could get or who can in Steve's case, get to that really poignant spot but they're hysterically funny yeah you know I mean it's an interesting thing to talk about that and to walk that line and be able to to write like that and put a project like that together. One of the things I was interested in in the the people who have influenced you, mm. lots of people bring up Ella Fitzgerald, but I have to tell you they always give me how high the moon or you know Ella Burnie. Right. They don't give me, there will be other people. It'll be Shirley Horn for the ballads and things like that. But you sent me Ella, just really pretty, you know, and singing with emotion. I love that. No, you did, I've got a crush on you. And I've always loved that track. Talk about Ella. Because people don't don't talk about her in that regard. As much. You know, it's always her beautiful voice. It's things like that. But that's really, I've always loved that track because she she does get to that emotional spot for me I, on that track.
1: That's really interesting what you just said. And that makes me think about an NPR interview I heard about Tony Bennett who just passed away. Mm. And, he, and he said that no matter what he did, he never compromised on the song. Even when people wanted to have him sing rock and roll, he was like, it's always about the song. And I think because I was an old soul, the way that I found out about Ella Fitzgerald was because I was playing trombone in middle school. And again, I there's that Litchfield Jazz Camp that had a huge impact on me. And I was a trombone player at the camp. And then some there was no singer. But then one of the faculty members said, You should check out Ella Fitzgerald. And I said, Ella who? You know, I'm 12 years old wearing soccer shorts and playing trombone, or 13 years old. And so right. the next year, I was. Uh, a, I was working at a nursing home, um, busing, doing like busing the dishes and, and whatnot. And I had uh someone gave me a tip, like five bucks. And so I asked my mom, I said, Can we go to Strawberries, the C D store in Torrington, Connecticut? And and can I look at the dollars the dollar rack? Do you remember like they had like they had like the yes, singles of rack? Of
0: course, of course. So they right. had like all the
1: sales stuff, and then there, there was this record that Ella, Ella sings love songs for 499 <laughs> And I was like, "Oh right, someone told me Ella Fitzgerald." And so I bought the record, like I don't did, I even think I had the tax. And like the person behind the thing was like, "Oh, we have all the pennies here, so you could like have it for like five Aww, or six or whatever." This is so
2: sweet. It's just so it's, just, it's just
1: a visceral memory. And the song that yeah. I played over and over and over and over again was Ella Fitzgerald. I got a crush on you. I didn't even know anything about form. I love this track because she starts with the with with she puts the verse in the center um, as opposed to at the at the top. And I just love the lyric. It's just pure and the melody is pure mm. and her voice was like warm like honey butter it was just it shocked me and I listen to it constantly on repeat constantly that record
4: mm, I've got a crush on someone guess who Got a crush on you sweetie pie all the day and night time hear me sigh I never had the least notion that I could fall with so much emotion could you cool Could you care for a cunning cottage? We could share, the world will pardon my mush. Cause I've got a crush, my baby. How glad a million laddies From millionaires to caddies, Would be To capture me But you had such persistence You wore down my resistance I fell And it was swell You're my big and brave And handsome Romeo How I won you I shall never, never know It's not that you're attractive But oh, my heart grew active When you came into view I've got a crush on you Sweetie pie All the day and night time Hear me sigh I never had the least notion That I could fall With so much emotion Could you, could Could you
3: care
4: For a cunning cottage We could share the world will pardon my much Cause I-
0: I find it fascinating where people go from their inspirations and that you and I know it has, it can have little to do with your generation. It can have whatever hooks you in. I had George Winston, who also just passed away recently, Mm -hmm. and George Winston told me he really wanted to play stride piano. But then he tried to do it, he couldn't do it, and he thought, well, wait, I'll I'll this isn't my generation anyway. I'm going to go more for Dr. John. I'm going to do that kind of thing. I heard stride piano and I could do Mm. it. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. And so I think that these are the things that when people ask about inspiration or where you go, they don't know. I had a feel for it. I'd listened to all these movies. It was natural to me. I sat in a room. I taught myself how to do it. With George, he loved it. But he was more drawn to the contemporary music. And I think it's really interesting how we make these. You were already a budding songwriter somewhere in there, even though you hadn't started songwriting. Yeah. You were thinking about the form in some way, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, that, and how that inspired you. At eleven years old, you know, I I, I think a theme
1: within my, my life has been like zero self self-esteem, and zero self-confidence. And at 11 years old, I refused to sing in front of my parents because I was so afraid that they would. I didn't want anyone to hear me. But I still was so drawn to music that I signed up for the talent show. And so I had my music teacher make a track. And what song did I choose to sing at 11 years old? Don't cry for me, Argentina. (laughs)
5: Like, what is? Oh, that fantastic. And
1: what, what record do I buy at 13 or 14? Ella Fitzgerald's. You know, sings love songs,
3: or
0: it's just, I've. Uh. How did you know about Don't Cry for Me, Argentina? Uh, that to me, that's fascinating. That to me, I'm like, how did I know about
1: that? That I have no idea. Cause I loved, I loved, um, we had like record player. I liked like Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar. I was like obsessed with like the.
0: the... So if it was you'd heard it and you liked it, which makes yeah. sense. I, I mean, I think it's funny Actually, though, that I you think, know.
1: I think I know what it was. I did a theater camp. Um, mm, like mm. grum- it's called Grumbling Griffins or something, and mm-hmm. uh, we watched. We watched the uh, the older kids would sing uh, songs and master class, and the young kids would just watch. I think someone sang that song. Other people would sing other like big torch songs from musical theater pieces. And I was like,
0: Whoa,
1: that song's hitting me right in the gut. I feel it. Even at nine, 10, 11 years old. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to cry
0: that. Why, why, why do I feel like I'm going to cry? You know, it's such a, it's such a, but- well, and you related with that, with the music and you have that kind of voice. So I think that's, you know, you were a king and there it isn't that you necessarily know what the words mean or what the backstory is. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's really important is that. That in a good way, we know all the bad things about Spotify and what it's done to the business, or things like that. But it does make this music very accessible sure. to a lot of people. That I think that they can hear it and they don't need context. Yeah. And if they want context, they can look at YouTube find out who these people are, something like that. I mean, that's the Pollyanna in me trying to look at something. Okay, good you better make that about lemonade, about Judy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm really working on it hard. I'm working on it hard. Talk about the good ways because I love the. I love the whole concept of good, crazy in the good oh, way. Man. You know, the different things like that. I love that because everybody always talks about, we know the obvious reasons we're drawn to people, you know, that sort of on the surface, but there's these other little quirky things that are harder to understand that I think are the deeper 100%. things that bring us together, you know? So talk about this too. And Somebody I loved
1: it. Uh, gave me a backwards compliment. They- uh, a backhanded compliment. They said, "Oh my god, girl, you are like so crazy," <laughs> but 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 in the good way. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. Mm. I was like, actually, I I I've kind of always loved what you just said—being quirky and strange—and mm. mm. um, I think because I've always been more of a, I, I, I've never like had a personality where people are like, "Oh, I'm not going to tell her what to do." My personality has always been kind of like. What do you think I should do?
3: <laughs> and mm, so people have mm. given me
1: a lot of backwards compliments. In fact, we just played a gig yesterday, and the person said um, at the end, "Hey Nicole, that was that was amazing. Way better than I expected." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, thank you so much. Oh,
1: I
3: think.
0: God, yeah. I'm telling you, this is why I don't even go. I'm so picky about who I who I do anything with after a concert. Because you're so raw, you're so exposed, and people have no idea. They just say these things and they don't even and you're it's like fingernails on a blackboard half the time. That's yeah. funny.
1: And so i, I was always trying to twist twist it to make it like a, a joyful, funny thing. And so once I was yeah. like, You're crazy, but uh, in
2: a good way. You're only crazy in the a constant cyclone and head spin. You're only crazy when the sun is shining and the tides flow out and in. You're simply dangerous like shockwaves, Russian roulette with assassins. You make me crazy in the ways ways. I bring talking
3: things. You're
2: kind of crazy Wins the jackpot light on goes and bets it all A little heat A lot of spice Mysterious Never plays nice Poker face That's set in stone Faking names To forge a loan Trading cards
0: Aretha Franklin, talk about this track. I've always been drawn
1: to the blues. Um, I've always been drawn to Black American music. (laughs) I was like, it's just the most, what else can there be said besides it influencing all of American music and just being the root of of jazz and beyond. So uh, I really got into the blues because to me, it felt, um, natural to, to, to sing something that came from a really like grounded, sp- almost like spiritual place. Um, and so I would listen to a lot of uh, blues, like Big, Big Mama Thornton or BB King or uh, Muddy Water. Or- and then of course I always was drawn to gigantic voices. I would try and sing along to Whitney Houston Mariah Carey, um, all of the great singers, Stevie Wonder, Donny Hathaway, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know Aretha Franklin to me was just someone who was a constant state of grace and poise and power, and she sang everything, every genre, and everyone held her to the highest revere. And she also wrote music and she played the piano. And
0: I think that with your spectacular voice and talent and stage presence. I haven't seen you in person, but I've seen you on YouTube. All these things you have. It's such an inspiration to think that you have always been insecure. Mm -hmm. I think for our listeners, that if anything would make a person think, man, I've got to get out there because even someone like that, and it's not disingenuous, it's that you were really insecure for your own reasons. You are one who would always take the advice, and it's obviously taken you a while to think, no, I want to do this. or. I'm not going to do opera or I'm going, you know, all of those things that have brought you to this point. And it's really beautiful that you took that leap because it's a lot harder for somebody who has those insecurities to step out there and do it than somebody who from day one, people are saying, you have a great voice. You know, you know Jane Monheit, she was recording, you know, her family was recording her when she was a little right. kid and you know making things like that. So from day one, it was you have a great voice, you have a great voice. and that isn't take away from the courage for her to do what she's right. done because we all have our own right. path. But I somewhere in there, you with the big voice were drawn to other people with a big voice. And you were thinking, you know, it spoke to you. And it really speaks to having your eyes and ears and heart open, no matter what all the chatter is around you. Aretha was talking to you.
5: Baby, we've got to have us a little talk. Gonna have to pack up my things I'm gonna walk. But before I see you go from woman to one man, I'd rather drink muddy water, sleep out in a hollow alarm, yes I would. I love you baby, but you just won't be sad, I don't believe you know how to be on the square. Now go on and have your fun, and if you must, but before I'll have another man that I
0: I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest, singer-songwriter Nicole Zeraitis, feels it's important to give back to society and does just that with a number of activities.
1: I have a history of trying to give back, even if it seems menial. Um, I've always done either dog rescue or uh, mental health advocacy. or I rehabilitate pit bulls. with my husband, Dan, and um, to me, I think art is meant to be the voice for activism because it makes it easier for people to hear it because art touches a different part of the brain um, and a different part of the heart. So um, it just seems obvious that if I have a platform and I have an audience and I have an opportunity to kind of spark change or spark, um, inspiration to make a change, then that's what, then that's what I should be doing. So,
0: I think everybody should be giving back. I think if more people thought about what they're putting out in a good way into the world we'd all be in a better spot. So I love your activism. your singing all of it. And I think you're fantastic. I have it. You're my new best oh, friend. right back at you. Thank you so much for taking this time. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are a joy, Judy. Thank you. You've been listening to my conversation with Nicole Zeraitis. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz inspires their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidoff. You can listen to Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired on all podcast platforms and at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was airmail special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flori on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is sponsored in part with generous support from our listeners and Page at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit page63main.com. And please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. For more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com.